This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the president of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Blue check verified on Twitter. Tisby. Uh, here Jamar, we go. Here on, we go. Uh, I don't know if listeners can can pick up on this just from listening, but there's something a little bit different about this podcast, Tyler. Bro, we are in close proximity. This is only the second time that we've ever recorded live together face to face, man. How does this feel for you? This feels right. This feels, feels right, man. To. This so feels that means like you, it should you're be. You're moving down to the to the panhandle, right? Uh, I think that means you're moving up to Jackson. We're going to flip on it. Okay, we'll flip a point. <laughs> our wives are like, what? Really? Yeah, really? <laughs> they, they, they've got a lock on our location. So yeah, Clearly, clearly. So this is our Pass the Mic episode where we talk about just some of the things that really encapsulates the history of who Ran Network is, what we are, what Pass the Mic is. And so we felt like it was great to reintroduce ourselves and let you know. Also, by the way, Bo is back too. Bo! Uh, the award-winning. The award-winning producer, Bo. I got to put that in like Every, blue check verified oh, okay. on Twitter. Here we go. Yeah. You? All right. Y'all ain't got nothing on me, so it's not going <laughs> So yeah, Bo is back, our award-winning producer. He is amazing. We also want to shout out Joshua Heath, our producer who was a stand-in last batch of episodes. He did a phenomenal job. Joshua, thank you. We know you listen to the podcast. And if you guys want to help with Rand, you can always reach out to us, help with Pastor Mike. We need some people, right? Absolutely. We're always looking for help. Uh, we, we we pay with treasures in heaven, uh, but it's a great you experience. You double my salary. Put exactly. two extra zeros. I can definitely double your gotcha. salary. Um, okay. But no, it really is. I think it has been a good experience for folks. It's nice to put on the resume, just being real. But also, uh, you get plugged into a lot of different people. We go to different conferences, um, and it's great to work behind the scenes and see how all this stuff is produced. But we're always looking for more help. Um, I had somebody approach me a while back and say, hey, I'm an editor. If you ever need any editing, let me know. That was you know, a godsend. So you have gifts, skills, talents. Feel free to share. Absolutely. Now, so Jamar, for those people who are not familiar, and it, it's interesting because a lot of people come to Rand through Pass the Mic, or they come to know you or know me through Pass the Mic, and they have no idea what Rand is, what the purpose is, when did it start? Let's just go question by question, step by step. When did Rand, the Reformed African American Network, and I'm going to get you to define that in a minute, <laughs> when did Rand start? The easy answer is October 2011 is when we officially launched with a Facebook page. On Reformation Day, right? Right, exactly. October 31st. And so... Uh, These brothers are so holy, they don't even celebrate. <laughs> they don't even acknowledge it. These are, I got to call it Reformation Day. Yeah, yeah. that's what it, you know, hey. Um, so I, w- I was literally sitting alone in my dining room at like 10 o'clock at night, and I had this idea and finally had put it together on a Facebook page, and I was about to press enter, and I just had this feeling this sense that mm. that whenever it went live it was it was going to be something big mm. and that's that's 
been what's happened so far. Uh, we So we've been around for more than half a decade now, which seems right. like a really long time. Yeah. But in that time, we've seen a whole lot going on with the country and the world. Uh, but most importantly, we have been able to gather somewhat of a network, which is really what the heart of this thing was about. So originally, it was just a Facebook group. So you were just going to, or a Facebook page, because groups weren't even really like a, a wave then, <laughs> right? So it was a Facebook page. So it was just to, to post articles, to get people attracted to this whole idea of the Reformed African American Network and then it evolved into a website? Exactly. I mean, the the main idea behind it was I went up to a very small gathering of African Americans who were attending Reformed seminaries. And when we say Reformed, it can mean a lot of different oh, things. We're going to get right? to that. We don't okay. jump the gun. Good, jump good. The gun. So, so I went up there and, and I met these brothers and sisters for the first time, but it felt like a family reunion. We had so much in common theologically, but also culturally that I was like, man, we got to think of a way to keep this fellowship going. And out of that was, was birthed uh, RAN, what we call mm. for short. And so it started with a Facebook page. And all we were doing was sharing content that other people had produced, uh, be it sermons, be it um, articles, whatever, that pertained to the core concerns of African Americans. Because what we found is in predominantly white outlets, it would be some good stuff there, but they wouldn't always talk about, uh, you know, interracial relationships. They wouldn't talk about, um, you know, uh, issues of education and things like that from a perspective that African-Americans, a lot of African-Americans would be thinking about it. So it started there and it wasn't until a year later that we actually launched the website, reformedafricanrandnetwork.org. So um, then we could start producing our own blog and our own content. So let's talk about this, Jamar, because... This is probably the most debated topic and the most asked question that we have. I know it's coming. In history, why in the world did you guys decide to call this the Reformed African American Network? Uh, because I've heard is. tell I've heard tell about this large conversation with a lot of different people that happened. It was this debate about what you're going to call it. And y'all were going back and forth about, nah, I don't need to be the reformed African. Nah, yes, it does. What, yes. what were you thinking? Because something resonated <laughs> with me, which we'll get to. Something resonated in my heart when I heard it. But now that's probably changed a little bit, which we'll get to as well. But right. what is the why did y'all call it the Reformed African American Network? You know, I still ask myself that question sometimes. Um, but really, yeah, you're referring to we were at the Legacy Conference years ago. I think this is this might have been yeah. in 2011, 2012, somewhere around. There. I didn't even know y'all. I just heard about the conversation. Right. It was. It was big, man. It it just started out with me and like one other dude. We were talking about it, and then slowly people started gathering. It became this whole big thing, and I argued vehemently that it had to have reformed in the name and African American because all of that was up for grabs at that point. And I felt so strongly because number one, with the with the label reformed. I wanted folks to know there was a different way of being reformed. Hmm. There was a different way of thinking through theology that is reformed that could be sensitive to other cultures, that could be sensitive to other ethnicities. And I wanted it to have African-American in the name, especially on the web, as as sort of this like, like blinking lighted neon billboard to let black people know, hey, this is for you. I didn't want at that point it to be some sort of other name like Black Diamond or whatever. That's you know That sounds like fire, bro. Yeah, I don't know about that. Black I think Diamond? there's actually a Black Diamond Society. Um Word. but uh 
I didn't I just didn't want it there to be any ambiguity at all because at that point the challenge was to assemble these very scattered clusters of mm. reformed African Americans. Um yeah, at that point, you know, there was there were there were almost no entities that could serve as a touch point. So I wanted to make sure mm. that we gathered African Americans who were like-minded theology okay, theologically. So- Let's let's backtrack. You know, in a Pastor Mike private Facebook group, um, which you guys should apply to join, we're doing some changes there. So it's going to take you a little bit to get in, but it's Be amazing. Patient. It's awesome. Our moderators do a fantastic job. Shout out. Yes. Shout out to Ali, Nicole, Noel. Um, and obviously, you know, I help out a little bit. <laughs> but not. Nah, I, I, it's the number one question that people ask outside of why is this called the Reformed African-American Network? And that is what is reformed? Oh, yeah. You know, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who, who peer in and ask the question, when you say reformed theology, I might have an idea of what that means in my head, but I don't really know what you mean by it. It's a term that's been misused and, and used, maybe broadened a little bit. I, I don't know. So what? how would you define reformed? When you started RAN, how would you have defined reform? <laughs> well, I, I look at it through lenses. Historically is one and theologically is another. So historically, when we talk about reform, we're talking about the body of theological knowledge that arose from the 16th century Protestant Reformation. Mm. And so that would include the big names like Luther and Calvin and all those folks and everything that came after that. And, and what that was was uh, part of a recovery of, you know, Scripture alone, the Bible or uh, faith alone, all the five solas, all that mm-hmm. stuff. In addition, theologically, some of the hallmarks of Reformed theology are this kind of big God theology sure. that everything starts with God. When you read the Bible, you don't start by thinking of yourself. You start thinking about what is this showing me about God and who who God is and then therefore how I respond in light of that. But also, obviously, God's uh, choice in salvation, that if, if, if everything is centered on God, then even our ability to believe in God in a, in a trusting way is from God. Mm -hmm. And so that, those things I think are really... the redemptive narrative, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. The redemptive narrative, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, all of that, I would say, is under big tent Reformed theology. Now, from there, it gets <laughs> tricky, right? Sure. And um, I think you and I both have more specific beliefs, but that's not something we're going to impose on the network. Right. So we have a kind of a big tent definition of Reformed. And really, the folks who are drawn to us, they know what it means, um, or they have their own definitions. And then when they get here and, and start looking at the content, they can see kind of the nuances that we're talking about. Yeah, It seems like a lot of people are even drawn to the content and expression in and of itself, somewhat of a, an appreciation for the history of the church, but also an appreciation for the scope of the gospel to speak to the core concerns of African-Americans. So I think it's more of something that people don't come to us and say, Oh, well, I'm reformed. You know, you're reformed too. It, that's how it was at the beginning because reformed was such a buzzword mm-hmm. in evangelicalism. But now I think it's more of a, hmm, you kind of think like me. And then when, as I get closer, we see the similarities. Right? Exactly. Is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think what this has become is a, a way of looking at the world, which, which, which I really think is reformed theology at its best. 
for me, the reason why I spent five years in seminary learning this stuff is to get a framework, a robust, strong framework that I can enter into any situation culturally, socially, spiritually, and have a framework for how the Bible speaks to these things. And so I think what we've done over the years is simply utilize Reformed theology as a framework to speak to issues that impact us every day. And I believe folks have resonated with that, and and that's been extremely pleasing in the life of the organization. So from there, you have the Reformed African American Facebook page as a network, but that was just very bare bones. I remember taking a look <laughs> at it, and then I met you a little bit later um, in the process. I actually met you a year after you had started the Reformed African American Network. I met you at a Man Up conference, yes, Reach Records put on yes. in Atlanta, and I stopped by the booth. The RTS booth. Man. And then we talked for about an hour. I remember I skipped the next session because we just kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. And that was very interesting. You told me about the Facebook page. Then the website comes out. Then there's this pass the mic thing. Now, by that time, I kind of been roped into the, the circle. <laughs> y'all are kind of giving me the, the secret card. Y'all got to know the secret handshake. <laughs> so if you ever, y'all, y'all missed that legacy. If you come up to LDR and ask us what the secret handshake is. But so you gave me the secret handshake. <laughs> we might invent one by then. <laughs> you gave me the secret handshake. And then I come in and now there's this thing called pass the mic. Now, what was the origin of pass the mic? Why a podcast? <laughs> so we got to mention Philip Holmes in all this. He's the co-founder. Yeah, shout out of, to Philip. Shout out. He's a co-founder of the Reformed African American Network and really helped help blow this thing up in terms of attention. And so span. much work, man. Countless hours of work. Countless hours. He would be Put up in, at all hours working on the website. He always came with a new brainstorm, a new idea. So he really took us to the next level, specifically when he got us on Twitter, which right. was early 2012. And then we got plugged in with some other folks who had, uh, you know, big audiences and, and some weight in the game and all that stuff. So he helped with that. But it was on the way back from a conference. It was me and Philip and this dude, Simon Baba. And we Baba, were driving up, back. Baba? Oh, you know him? Yeah, see? I know Baba. Okay, see that? Uh, NYC so, in the building. <laughs> so it was a 17-hour trip from this conference back down to Mississippi. Wow. And we were just talking. And uh, somehow we got on the topic of just podcasts in general. And I said, you know what? We need a podcast. Like, that's the next <laughs> level for Rand. Because it's a different medium. It's a different delivery method. So we can get right up in your ears. You know what I'm saying? And it was more responsive. And it was tough to get people to write because it's so hard. It takes so much time. So this would expand our ability to do interviews and talk to different people. It would help us to respond to like current events faster. And it would just give us a different way to flesh out all the stuff that we were doing besides just writing and online. So we got that kicked up. And a short time later was another godsend, Tyler Burns. (laughs) You know, it's funny because when, when the Pastor Mike podcast came out, I remember listening to the first episode, which was an interview you guys did with H.B. Charles. I remember where I was when I heard that episode. Oh, wow. I remember I was driving home, and I had it playing, and I remember I got to a certain part where he was just dropping wisdom and knowledge. And, he does that. You know, it was just the beginning <laughs> of the podcasting game, but it was so overwhelming, and I remember exactly where I was in my neighborhood. Dang. I, exactly. Like, I go back to that spot. So I was listening right here as I was driving home. And I felt like it was a landmark moment. I had no idea that I would be involved in any way. Uh, I was in the meeting. I do remember I was in the meeting and Bo was pushing it pretty hard as well. Yes. Because he had a different, you know, Bo is a mastermind. He's 
like an, an entrepreneurial Eminem. Yes. That's what we call it. <laughs> and so Bo gets it, man. So he was out there and he was telling him, we need to do this and we need to do that. And He's we were kind of doing that. Yes. Yeah. So he was he was a mile a minute. And we were kind of like, well, I guess uh-huh. I don't know. But it was really powerful to see it all come together. And so did you have any idea that passing the mic would still be going on at this time? I had no idea. I mean, I I didn't envision an end for it, of course, but the the way it took off, uh, I I couldn't have pictured. And as of now, I think it's probably the most dynamic part of what we do in the network. Um, and it, it has introduced so many people to our our thinking, for better or worse. But, <laughs> but it's been extremely encouraging because I think what it's done, what we've been able to do, is really give voice to a lot of what people are already thinking, you know, uh, a lot a lot of sometimes what they're feeling and can't put into words. And so that's been extremely humbling. We consider it a privilege. But yeah, I didn't think it would be such a such a big cornerstone of, yeah. of what we do. I remember I prepared so much for the first episode I was on. <laughs> and I never again. Was, no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something about um words or oh social media i think it was about like yes. kind of the ubiquity of social media the double-edged sword of social yes, media yes so i remember preparing so much for that and being so nervous and then you guys invited me back because we were talking to taylor gray or something yeah shout out to taylor and then we were talking to somebody else and i came back on i think miles monroe had died you guys invited me back on and then all of a sudden you're like hey why don't you come on and just regular, stay? <laughs> just be regular on here. So I know Phil had moved on to, to to bigger things, and there was kind of this gap where it was like, "What are you? What are we going to do? How are we going to fill this slot?" And it was weird because I remember that conversation that that the three of us had, me, you, and Bo, and y'all were like, "Yo, let's do it." Yo, and I was, I remember, I was so reluctant. I was like. I guess. <laughs> I remember and that. It, and it wasn't that I wasn't excited. It was that I don't really know. I guess I didn't come from the same stream and my tradition, which we'll talk about here as we close. My tradition wasn't really from the reformed stream, which was an advantage. But I tell you what really encouraged me and attracted me to Pastor Mike. And I think it's the same thing that encourages and attracts other people. It's the tagline dynamic voices for a diverse church. And if we truly believe that, I think it's pulling from from two different elements, two different sides. I think it's number one, pulling the dynamic voices of African-Americans throughout history who have stood on the truths of scripture, who have stood for the dignity of all people, who have believed that this big God, this sovereign God can call and save a people unto himself and also the diversity of the church, which is our current time period where we're thinking about multi-ethnicity, where we're thinking about the various fluctuations in our world and how can the church speak to that? So I said, if there's one place that's going to speak to this, it's a place that has dynamic voices for a diverse church. So I said, if if I got the opportunity to be on, man, yeah, I'll come. I'll hang. And that was, I mean, you know, there was a lot of prayer that went into that meeting and that talk because that was a that was a life or death moment for the podcast. I mean, I certainly couldn't carry the show by myself, as our longtime listeners well know. And so you coming on and we had a I felt I don't know if you felt, you know, do you like me? I like you. This kind of yeah, chemistry cool, yeah. type of thing. Um, and so it was it, it just clicked and, yeah. and you fit in there seamlessly and bow producing. And so I think that's another reason the, why this has become such an important part of what we do. The production quality has been amazing. It's just off the charts. Um, so I remember those initial episodes. Y'all don't go back and listen to it. But <laughs> if you can imagine me with no mic, like talking into my laptop. 
microphone and Bo was like, are you talking to your laptop <laughs> microphone? And now I'm like, you know, got like three or four different mics. Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. And I'll hosting like three or four different <laughs> podcasts, you Stop. know. But, yes, but he this found is the most it. important one. This is the most important one. <laughs> but Bo is crazy, man. He'll he'll hook you up and he's done a great job. Now, 2014, there's a shift that happens. Mm. And now the Reformed African American Network that was, which did speak to these core concerns, has shifted. And I think it's interesting that we've all gone through this trajectory, this change this growing pain, right. this broadening. And now after Ferguson and the death of Michael Brown, our focus shifts a little bit. Can you talk about how our focus has shifted and how our focus has not shifted all at the same time? Right. I mean, we've got to recognize that the times we're living in now are different, vastly different than the times we were living in even just five or six years ago. And so you got to remember, when we started in 2011, that's before Trayvon Martin. That's before Ferguson. That's before the Emanuel Nine. That's before the the 45th president. All of that stuff has happened in the interim. And so the national conversation has changed, particularly around topics of race and justice. And so I would say if people think there or or notice maybe a, a difference in emphasis or something, it would be that we're not just talking about like racial reconciliation mm-hmm. anymore. We're not talking about like people getting together in church. We're talking about justice. We're talking about righting wrongs. We're talking about right. systemic and institutional ills that have been carried on for decades and generations because of racism and white supremacy and all of these these things that are, um, you know, topics of conversation now. And so in that sense, yeah, we're talking about those things. And it may sound a little different because the times we're in are different. Right. But at the same time, I would argue that our focus really hasn't changed. A, we've always been about addressing the core concerns of African-Americans. This is a lot of what people of color in general are talking about. And mm-hmm. so on that front, we're on the same wavelength. Same wavelength. Additionally, we're still doing it from a Christian and biblical perspective. And I think what folks may notice is, is still it, it sounds different because it's coming from a different quarter of the church. Okay, so let's talk about that. That's a perfect segue. When we talk about the tradition, the difference between, and we'll build on this in other podcasts, but the difference between establishing that our tradition is Calvin and Luther and the reformers and broadening that to now... Who would be in our tradition? Who are some voices and some some historic figures that we would say, whoa, now we fall in line with this tradition as it is expressed in its truth, as in its, it is expressed in its complexity? Who are we? Who's in our tradition now that we would include that we wouldn't have before? Ooh, you trying to get folks in trouble. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and I don't mean it like that. I think... I think it's important for us, and I I just don't want to give away what we'll talk about in a future <laughs> podcast. I think it's important for us to talk about where we get yeah. our our thinking from. Yeah. That this is not new, that we did not just come up with it. We didn't steal it from a political party. We didn't take it from anyone who's in culture, but that there are actual Christian figures in history throughout this redemptive narrative that we're talking about that God has drawn unto himself who represent this richness of thought. That's right. That's right. And 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 that's the key, right? There there are more voices out there, which right. is what this podcast is about. And so we draw on African American voices. We draw on lots of different people. And so me being a student of history, I love looking at at 
um, the lived theology of people like Fannie Lou Hamer, yes, a civil rights activist, born a poor sharecropper in Mississippi. Uh, she went to register to vote, lost her job, got evicted. That did not discourage her. She was able to see through the lens of faith that voter registration and enfranchising people so they could be first-class citizens in America was part of living out her faith in terms of justice. Mm. And so we're going to draw on people like that who who, who have bold thoughts and bold actions and a very strong faith, whereas in the traditional Reformed theology, you may not ever hear of a woman like Fannie Lou Hamer, right, right. Uh, which doesn't mean she's not orthodox. It doesn't mean she's mm. not worthy. It means there are more voices, and this is where we're coming from. So you touched on a point that I think we're addressing now, which is we feel a duty to this current movement of black Christians in particular to expose as many people as possible and other Christians as well, you know, not segmenting that. But we are the Reformed African-American Network for a reason, because we speak to the core concerns of African-American Christians. And thinking about that, it's important for us to expose our brothers and sisters, our kinsmen, according to the flesh, as Paul would say, to voices that they may not have heard because Reformed theology may not put those voices in the tradition. That's right. And so thinking about that, you think about Fannie Lou Hamer, you think about someone like Frederick Douglass. Yes. Who is very much so a part of the tradition that we would draw from. Um, You would also think of Dr. King as well, who is very much so a part of a tradition that we draw from. So in other words, it's the black church, right? Exactly. Put the name on it. The black church is our mother. She's been our ark. Uh, she's not perfect, but we love her. Now, what we're referring to is the sociological phenomenon known as the black church. Come on, come on. Which is very important. Preach on it, Doc. But no, I'm not going to go there yet. (laughs) But the sociological phenomenon, not that there is a white church and a black church in heaven, but that there is a sociological reality due to racism and due to the, the continuum of racism that existed within the church, that there was a need for black people to sociologically and theologically respond, ethically respond to this racism by preaching a true gospel that is divorced from this segmentation. And so it's important for us to talk about that because some people would think, oh, well, you're you're segmenting the same thing that you're talking about. No, we're falling in line with the sociological reality of our day to say this is part of what's happened in our history. And so the church has had a response and we would fall in line with that response as well. And actually by talking about that sociological reality and outlining the contours of it and speaking of it, we actually hope to bring about greater unity, a robust unity that's based on truth, that's based on confession, that's based on justice, not just throwing people together for an annual you know, inter-church event. That's not what we're talking about. Right. What we're trying to do is bring to light things that, that, that don't get discussed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, uh, knowing the truth and the truth will set us free, we, we, we would break these bonds that, yes. that sociology has, has um, compelled us to, to separate into these different groups based on something silly like skin color, right. but something real that has an impact because of the way race has been constructed. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I mean, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And so a lot of people think, oh, you're being divisive or you're creating risk. No, 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 no. If you say it's raining, it doesn't mean you caused it to rain. Right. You're just right. saying this is what it is. And again, this speaks to different traditions because of the fact that many people are not made aware 
of these voices, are not made aware of these of this example that is all throughout the history of the church, particularly in the black church. People think it's odd that we would say these things and they think it's, you know, whatever name they want to use. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Right. Right. So we've we've done, man, hundreds of episodes. I don't know how many episodes. We're a at. lot. I don't know what we're at. Um, Probably a couple hundred. Yeah. So we took a little bit of a break to kind of take a step back and we had an idea. We're like, man, let's switch <laughs> up the format. We and thought then it was great. Y'all went to Legacy. See, I wasn't there. Uh, that was y'all. That would have made the difference, huh? No, that was y'all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so y'all went to Legacy and we listened to our listeners. So what our listeners say? Yeah. So I was. So one of the parts of the Reformed African American Network is the network part. And so it's wonderful to kind of visit with like-minded people on the web, whether through social media or, or, you know, comment section on the blog, whatever it might be. But, but the ultimate goal is actually get face to face and develop real relationships. That's the most robust part of the network. And so we go to these conferences and we have these pass the mic meetups everywhere we go, whatever city it's in. And this time we had 50 plus people come out. It looked so amazing. It was amazing. Over deep dish pizza. Yeah. Whoa. It was so good. Chicago style deep dish. Ah, so uh, we broke bread together, and but we also used it as a time just to float some ideas about the podcast. And so we were very grateful for the feedback we received because, get this, what people seem to really appreciate about the podcast is our response to current events and just giving our thoughts in real time and right. perspective about stuff that's happening in the world from a Christian perspective, from an African-American perspective. And so that was helpful for us because we want to continue to deliver that and we want to do that better and better and better. Absolutely, man. And so we've taken a, a renewed call, a re-energized call. We're also going to be making some changes too. Some we, nice little changes. Yeah. The Reformed African-American Network might be going through a little change. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we will see. Uh, we do have the opportunity to get together as a staff and just brainstorm and, and think about the future. So I'm thrilled about that and excited to see what God's going to continue to do. But for the folks who are tuning in to pass the mic, please continue to do so. We would love suggestions on topics, mm-hmm. uh, different things to address, series to have. Yeah. How can people get involved? You know, I think that's something that when we talk about the network, we didn't intend for the network just to be a few people behind right. some laptops. We intended for the the past the mic meetups, even if we didn't know what that was going to look like. We intended for the past the mic Facebook group, even though we had no conception that that was ever going to, you know, blow up to wow. over four thousand people. Yeah. We had no idea. So, what? How can people help? How can people get involved? with the Reformed African-American Network? So I'll give you some very concrete steps. One, we need financial support. And, you know, sometimes that sounds crass, but I mean, we live in the real world, right? We got to spend money to do stuff. What y'all, yo, like, what y'all think? We just got time on time. <laughs> you like, know? Come on, man. We all got full-time jobs. We need software. We need hardware. We need we to need pay to travel, people. Pay we need people, all of it. All of it. So, you know, you can donate as an individual if you represent an organization or something of that nature. Turn them on to the podcast. And if y'all feel so led, please uh, donate. You can go to the website and just click. We have a, a donate button. Or if you go to the, the Pass the Mic tab, there's going to be a donate button there as well. So money is helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing you can do is spread the word. 
like we we want people to know about us and we want our reach to continue to expand. So if you read an article or listen to a podcast, just click share. I mean, it's a widget on every website now. You don't have to do nothing special. Scroll to the bottom and click share. Let right. people know. And really, that's how Pass the Mic expanded is really through word of mouth and folks just saying, hey, check this out. Even if it's just a particular episode, share it with them and let folks know. So far, as we look at the analytics, Facebook gives us the most traffic still. Um, you know, it'll spike here and there on on different Y'all platforms. still on Facebook, huh? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> Facebook is so slow. Um <laughs> But it, it 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 it's 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 where we we share a lot of our articles and podcasts, and so if you share on that, it can go semi-viral. So that's always helpful. Um, also, and this sounds really basic and sort of trite, but really pray. You know, we don't Please have all pray, the answers, bro. and we are trying to be wise out here. And uh, for the folks who are listening to us or reading our content, we don't want to lead anyone astray. Not that you got to agree with everything we put out there, uh, but we do want to be wise and gracious, even as we are forthright and try to be truth tellers in in this world. So we yeah. we definitely could use your prayers. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Amen. You know, we talk about the sociological realities and the political realities, and all those things are very important. But we don't do this outside of the power of the spirit. And so we need and covet and desire and earnestly encourage you to pray for us, please. Especially someone, your prayer list. man, especially Jamar. Like <laughs> Jamar, I'm serious. Jamar is getting in front of so many different people. He's trying to become Dr. Tisby. He's, you know, helping his, uh, helping his family out, raising a, a son. I mean, you're doing so much, Jamar that it is important for us to bathe your efforts in prayer and to continue to ask the spirit to strengthen you even in this time. Amen. I appreciate that. I would receive those prayers gladly. Thank you. Jamar, it's good to be back, brother. It's good to be face to face. Let's get to work. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.